0: Welcome to The Intuitive Edge, episode 173. Today's guest, Christian Psychic Jennifer Longberg. I
1: was upstairs in the apartment that we lived in and I came downstairs and I said, Mom, Grandma just passed. The phone's going to ring in a minute. And about the time I said that, the phone rang. The message on the phone was that she had passed.
0: Welcome to The Intuitive Edge. I'm Victoria Lynn Weston, your host. I'm an intuitive business consultant, entrepreneur, and founder of Studio Carlton. We're voice designers, producers, and developers of custom Amazon Alexa skills. I embrace big, bold ideas and love doing the unpredictable when it comes to helping business owners and professionals expand their brand, gain recognition, raise their visibility, and most importantly, attract new business. The future is here, and it's all about voice. Check out StudioCarlton.com. Today's guest is Jennifer Lombard. She is a Christian psychic, a spiritual life coach who consults with professional and entrepreneurial women. She's also the author of Embodied Grace, Helping Women Becoming More Empowered. I highly recommend you buy a copy and read it because no matter where we are in our life, we're always looking for that golden nugget of inspiration that can compel us and propel us on a new direction or confirm some of our own intuition maybe ease some insecurities, and she really does a wonderful job in that book, Embodied Grace. Jennifer was born with psychic abilities, and she said even as young as a child, she was able to see energies, and Jennifer is a leader in the self-discovery movement. She is passionate about sharing her story of transformation and how anyone, regardless of their circumstances and challenges, can begin to create the life they've always dreamed of. She hosts workshops, retreats, conferences, and she consults with individuals, primarily professional entrepreneurial women, one-on-one. Let's go talk to Jennifer and find our inspiration of the day. Jennifer, it's an absolute pleasure to have you here today. I'm looking forward to learning a lot about you and your work. Tell me how old you were when you first realized that you had a gift that most people didn't have. Oh, my goodness.
1: Um... (laughs) I don't I don't know when I actually realized it. Um I think I've always known that I have had the gift. Um I the, the only time that it became like a quote unquote big deal was when I was about I think it was around 13 or 14 and was at a youth group and it was not a good thing. That was the first time that I heard or had any connotations about being psychic was a bad thing, but I always had had the ability and I'd always seen Jesus and the angels. So that's probably when I first became really aware that maybe it was something different than what other people had, more to an extreme than what I realized. Does that does that answer that question?
0: Yeah, it does in a way. Um, tell me like an experience that you had that you knew that you had the experience, but maybe your sibling didn't or your mother didn't.
1: You know, I just had always felt like I could see other energies. Um, It's so weird because honestly, like I've always been this way. So I don't think I realized it was that weird Um, because everybody in my family kind of has an intuition to some extent, but to actually be like, you know what, this is it. I'm psychic. I have to speak about it. Probably I didn't actually acknowledge that until like my late twenties, maybe in my teen years, because my mom used to always want me to develop it even more. And I just kind of, I wanted to avoid that to be totally honest. Um, So, so again, I don't really have like a specific, this is the date that I realized that I had this gift. I feel like I've always had it Um, within my own family. It never felt like a weird thing because it just was accepted, but it wasn't until I got into my teens that I realized it wasn't an, a normal thing for everyone.
0: Interesting. I know the first time I had experiences, I was pretty young, maybe seven, eight, and it was a really snowy day. I I think it, I agree that it, you just have this feeling, you, you know, you have no choice but to realize, hey, this is the way it is. And I had a premonition about uh, one of my favorite uncles that was going to pass as he walked, you know, left the house and walked in our snowy driveway to his car and I was sort of peering out the window and thought that was going to be the last time I saw him, and a week later, he had died of a heart attack. Um, when I experienced it in high school, I had a blast with it. I mean, I was so excited, because I was like the popular one, because I was very into theater, and that if we'd all audition for parts in that, I would have a dream, like a psychic dream the night before, and I would say, I would know exactly who was going to get the part. Most of the time, it was me, but a lot of times, it might have been another classmate, and... Um, you know, so I never, I never was afraid of it. I know a lot of people are weary of it or cause they don't know how to handle it and that. So was there ever a circumstance in your time where you had a premonition, a psychic vibe, good, bad, or indifferent that you thought, this is just too much. I just don't, I don't want to know this about my coworker. Or I don't want to know this about, you know, the delivery guy.
1: You know, not necessarily because, um, I've always been able to have boundaries around not getting in other people's business. And, and so that kind of translated into my own psychic gift. The only thing that I can think of that, that relates to kind of what you were talking about is I remember when my great-grandma passed away and I knew. So I was upstairs in the apartment that we lived in and I came downstairs and I said, Mom, Grandma just passed. The phone's going to ring in a minute. And about the time I said that, the phone rang. And it, it was um, the message on the phone was that she had passed. Um, and that kind of thing happens fairly often with me, but again, that's kind of close family. Um, there were times (laughs) when I could just get a feeling that somebody was going through something, um, or something was going to happen. Uh, I have another experience one time when my son, I was like, I don't want you driving tonight. It's going to be weird. And, um, then he ended up in a car accident.
0: Oh no. But
1: um, I just had a feeling, and of course he was a teenager and didn't want to listen to his mom, so I'm like, well, take dad's big truck instead of your pickup, and it was uh, by the grace of God, because if they would have been in his, I think it would have been a lot worse, um, but again, I feel like that <laughs> those kind of things aren't generally the experience that I have because I use my gift in a little bit of a different way, um, just because I simply have honed it into um, – have the boundaries to where I'm not just because if you were open all of the time to everything that's going on spiritually for everybody, it would be freaking overwhelming.
0: Oh yeah, definitely. So
1: yeah. So I've learned how to kind of turn it on and off, so to speak.
0: That's interesting. I, um, you talk about, you know, being sensitive and to be able to be highly intuitive, everybody's intuitive to some degree, but the more sensitive you are, the more intuitive you're going to be. And, and if you're a clairvoyant and all the precognition and all that, you have to be extremely sensitive. And the thing that always is overwhelming, especially to me, is sometimes you can't turn it off. And when you're in somebody's, you know, space and you're, and you're upset about something and you're picking up the same energy they have, it is a completely exhausting I didn't feel anything. And it's the most liberating, exciting experience in the world because I know everybody else walks around and never feels anything. So it's, and so you say you have the ability to turn it off. And, um, and I say for me, it, it's still kind of a, a personal development thing. I can't always turn it off because if I'm around people, I feel it. Right. Right. Well, and there
1: is, I mean, there are times where I get downloads or I know spirits trying to get my attention or, or things like that, um, but for the most part, it's one of the things of being an empath. So so what you're talking about particularly is, is actually being an empath, which is different than being empathic. So it's a totally different thing. Um, anybody can be like have empathy for somebody else, but when you are an empath, you physically can feel the emotions of the room, of the people, of what's going on. You may pick up even on why they're upset, um, all of those things. But again, it comes back to personal boundaries. And just like you have boundaries like – With other people, you can actually learn, and this is one of the things I actually help my clients a lot with, is learning how to have boundaries with this gift, because we were never meant to be victims with this gift, Um, and if you're a victim of it, it, it does feel overwhelming, and it feels miserable, and it's hard. You're like, I can't even control it, and the truth is it's not true. It's just that if you haven't learned how yet, then it can be overwhelming,
0: you know everything's different, and I guess on how how you feel. I don't think it's a thing where you can turn it on and off all the time. At least in, at least in my world, doesn't work. But I'm so excited that I was able to at a couple of moments you know, kind of told me that kind of like what you sort of trained yourself to do that you can do that you can step outside that that moment that emotion. So anybody out there is going through the same thing. Maybe you could recommend a, a tip on how to not feel everybody else's emotions.
1: Yeah, so so first of all, it's being aware that you have that, right? Yeah, <laughs> that's the first step. It's like, it's like sometimes you're like, I don't even know why all of a sudden I'm in a bad mood. Well, it's probably because you're empathic and you're picking up the energy frequencies of the other people who are in a bad mood. So when you have that realization, first of all, then you're like, okay, this isn't like something that I have to – Um, just deal with, like I can learn to work with the energy. So there's a couple different things that you can do. Um, The thing that I use the most that I feel like is, is the easiest is to literally just imagine myself in like a bubble of love. Like, so from your heart, just imagine radiating a bubble of love all around you. um, And then set the intention that that bubble is going to kind of act as a filter to help shelter and filter through the energy so that you can still communicate and talk to the other person, but you're doing through you're doing it through the lens of love by doing that. Um, and then realizing that, okay, first of all, is this even my energy, right? Because sometimes we are in a bad mood. We've had a bad day or whatever. Sometimes it's we walk into it, and then the energy just shifts us immediately. As soon as you feel that, be like, wait a minute, this isn't even my energy. And that on its own creates a little bit of a boundary to say, wait a minute, this isn't mine. <laughs> so I don't have to feel it. Um, I can be aware of it. And then what you can do is, again, radiate love from from your frequency to kind of help, um, you know, settle the other energy down. You're not intentionally trying to change anybody else, but you're protecting yourself from
0: the the frequencies that they're emitting. Exactly. Exactly. Um, Now, you call yourself a a Christian psychic. And I'd like to know and have a better understanding. What's the difference between a Christian psychic and just a regular old psychic?
1: Well, not a lot other than I'm Christian and I grew up in the Christian church, and that was uh, basically an oxymoron to say that you were Christian and that you were psychic. Again, I didn't realize that there was a discrepancy in that until I was around 13, 14 years old, Um, but depending on the church you go to, there are some churches that That teach on spiritual gifts. I just didn't have that experience, so it was never something that was talked about. Um, And so the only psychics that I really knew were the ones that were on TV, you know, when I was a teenager. And so it it wasn't something that was commonly spoke about. Um, And to be honest, a lot of Christians have a really negative connotation about being psychic. But what I've come to understand is that I am Christian, and and that's because I have chosen to be Christian. I, I love church. I Um, you know, I, I've been baptized. I love Jesus. I, all of the things that go into Christianity. Um, I asked Jesus in my heart when I was, I mean, I never remember not having him in my heart, but I remember specifically saying, you're never going to leave me, right? Like you're staying in my heart forever because, um, I didn't want to, I, I just had that relationship, but also he was also always around me from the time I was little, I've always seen Jesus and the angels. So, Because of that, that's where the the Christian piece comes in for me. And I do use the Bible a lot.
0: You also are a spiritual healer. So tell me a little bit about what it's like to be a spiritual healer. Well, okay. So if we just talk basics, everything is energy, right?
1: That's being studied in so many different things and it's totally scientific. And now we're beginning to understand the more they, they research this, the more they understand that that means emotions are energy, thoughts are energy, On and on and on. And so, when I first started really developing this gift and and understanding that God was asking me to bring it to the world to help and to heal and all of those things, um, it's really the way that my brain made sense of it was it's like healing of uh, laying hands, right? So like in the Bible it talks about that, and then there's all of these things where Jesus healed, and it's like the power of prayer. When you put all those together for me, it was like wow. And so what my guides and angels showed me to do is I can actually connect to the divine. And I always ask Jesus and the angels to help me. um, And then it's like the energy just flows through. And then I'm able to do healing work, whether that's um, adjusting energy from an injury or helping you realign like your chakras, which is your energy centers in your body. Um, And I have this gift to where if you have like an emotion that's stuck somewhere, I can help you, Release that emotion. So, so there's a lot that goes into um, the healing piece of that, and it always is just whatever shows up for my client in that moment. Because sometimes it's it's physical, sometimes it's um, emotional, sometimes there's a mental thought that's creating some energy discrepancy in your physical body or your auric body. Um, but it's it's moving energy at the most simplistic explanation
0: so when you're moving energy how does that work is it a mental process or are you using your hands with that person or you visualize your hands on that body from a distance away is how do you move it all of the above
1: i have done remote sessions i've done in-person sessions but basically again it's me connecting to the divine so god source spirit universe whatever your term is for that and then allowing divine energy frequencies and energies to flow through me and then out through my hands. And again, if I'm with somebody, I can physically, you don't have to skin to skin touch. You can literally be, you know, feet away and help, help run the energy that way. Um, or again, just being connected to somebody on the phone even, or just thinking about them. But again, I never do that without permission. So, um, Trying to heal somebody without their permission is really kind of a uh, not a very good ethical thing to do, in my opinion.
0: Well, that's kind of like a, you're ready to, to receive, you know. You can, even a baptism, you know, unless you're ready right. to receive that baptism, it's not going to have the same impact. You have to really exactly. be open and probably at some level have and and be, you know, um, intention, having the intent to want to be healed and. That type of thing, which kind of brings us up to the skeptical side, because the skeptics, as you know, whether it's a healing or a an intuitive session or even a spiritual life coach, if they're not ready for it, it creates blocks. I know over the years that people had, you know, were skeptical. Sometimes they could just be having a bad day, but sometimes they create that wall and then you can't pick up and then you don't know if they're receiving it right. So how do you deal with a skeptic that says, I want to have this session. I feel like I need it. But then you sense they got walls up and not really ready for it. How do you handle that?
1: To be totally honest, I hardly ever get clients like that anyway. (laughs) Oh, that's (laughs) good. Usually usually people are kind of already in my world and they understand what I'm doing. But if somebody comes to me and they're skeptical, um, if they don't tell me that they are, I'm I'm trying to think if I've ever had this happen. Um, If they don't tell me that they're skeptical, I will pick up on it. Um, I actually have an example that I can use of a healing session that I did one time. And she wanted the healing. But when I was, when I was, when we got connected and we were in the prayer and we set up the sacred space and started working on the energy, as I was trying to kind of pull it, because it's almost like sometimes you have to pull energy out of their aura or whatever. And I could feel there was resistance. And I'm like, I know that in your mind and in your, your, your voice, like you're saying you want to heal this, but there's something that you're not ready to let go of this yet. And she was like, oh my God, you're so right. Like I started to panic when you said you were going to start removing that. And so even though she knew she needed it, she wasn't ready. And so we just did, we just did a different kind of session. And then when she was ready, then she came back. So there's no need to force anything because first of all, we all have free will and and second of all, if you force a healing like that on somebody, it can actually cause something worse to come in because again, it's frequency. So if you take away an energy and then they feel like they're they're missing something, they may pull in a different energy that may not even it may even be worse, right? Like so, and not to put fear, but just that's part of the reason why it's so so important to be ethical and be aware of the energy and not doing anything really in your own power. Like I feel like I'm hundred percent spirit led whenever I'm doing any kind of healing whatsoever.
0: So when you give a session to somebody and you put it all there and then how do you expect the results to be? Do you think you're like on the psychic side, do you think you're hundred percent accurate on the healing side? Do you think you're 80 or hundred percent? How do you expect that person to be transformed and to be able to take that information from a session or from a healing and be able to move forward?
1: I mean, I don't want to say, like, I'm 100%. I would would be nervous of anybody that says they're 100% correct all the time. Exactly, exactly. I would say that generally generally everybody that I've ever worked with has been very happy with it. I had one experience where I don't do future casting or, like – those kind of readings. But I remember this one reading, I was on vacation and it just, it just ended up that I, we ended up meeting these other girls and I was on a girl's trip with one of my friends. And so we ended up meeting these other girls and they wanted readings, So I gave them readings and it didn't come to fruition until like two years later. But she's like, Oh my God, I had to call you because it was exactly what you said. So I've had experiences like that. Um, but that's not very typical because it's not the work that I do generally when I'm working with a client, it's to help them with a specific, um, goal or something that they're looking for guidance on. But I, again, the answers are already within them. So all I'm doing is helping bridge the gap between spirit, divine source, God, and, and what they know in their heart, but allowing them to kind of talk it through and allowing that energy to come up. Um, so that they can find the healing or the message or the direction that they are looking for in that moment.
0: You've also have written a couple of books and I think they're really fabulous. I think anyone out there, but looking for empowerment, especially women. Um, you have a book that is called embodied grace, a woman's path to empowerment. What motivated you to write the book?
1: <laughs> to be totally honest, I didn't want to write it. My guides actually, um, had said, you're going to write a book. And I'm like, no, I'm not going to write a book. But it, needless to say, it all transpired that the the healing steps that I kind of took in my own life and my own journey and actually embracing the authenticity of who I am, which includes this psychic piece of me, right? Um, when I went through that, that process, I realized so much about um, being intentional with your life, about what self-care actually means, about having self-awareness so that, like, you're talking about earlier about being empathic and picking up on stuff and, and actually being like, okay, wait a minute. Is this even my frequency? Like becoming really aware of myself and then understanding kind of what law of attraction is, even though there's so much more than just law of attraction, but that's usually what most people are familiar with, but how the, the, there's spiritual truths and divine laws that do regulate this planet. Right. So how to work with those. Um, and then just really being in a space where you decide what you want in your life and you start taking inspired action towards that. And when I went through all of that, that process for me felt like I learned to embody grace in my life. I learned to give myself grace. I learned to know what self-love and self-care actually looked like. And so that's how the book came to be was here, take people just Let's write this book, explain the process, give them some steps to kind of start taking action. It, it, the book is very simple and to the point, action steps, no fluff, like here's here's what you can do to get started. Um, and then hopefully you build from there. But it's, it's about embracing and loving your life and understanding that you can create a life that you want based on the intentions, the actions, your thoughts, your emotions, and how well you're caring for yourself.
0: Very good. And the title is called Embodied Grace, A Woman's Path to Empowerment, which is on all the Amazon and other kind of bookstores. The one thing you touch on in there is that you like to teach um, teach you like to teach and guide audiences to understand and and, and I guess retrain the brain and identifying the nasty little mean girl. I suppose you mean that's people that you are encountered with, right? People the meanies no. that come into our life, or is that the the bad side of individuals?
1: No, the nasty little mean girl was is that inner voice, that inner critic. That's like you can't do that. Okay. What makes you so special? So that was one of the biggest factors that I had to get over was that inner voice. And I so I called her the nasty little mean girl because she would say nasty things. No. Like, you know, I want that. Well, you don't deserve that. You're not good enough, right? Like those were the things that I battled and and when I learned that you could actually retrain the way your thoughts work. And and understand again, they're they're proving that there's a, a physical electrical charge that creates synapses in your brain. And you can actually reprogram those. So if you're if you're used to having that internal dialogue that says you're not worthy, you're not good enough, who do you think you are, you can't do that. Those are the kind of things that I call the nasty little mean girl because that's what the voice in my head was. Um, she was pretty nasty.
0: <laughs> all that so, negative stuff, yeah, it makes me wonder though how was your mother was your mother sort of um critical of you in any way, or it helped somebody obviously helped develop that that character that subconscious character that you had?
1: Well, I think that it was a actually a critical trait that was passed down for generations oh, so okay. um um, I feel like we're all born into whatever family we're supposed to be to learn the lessons we're here to to learn, <laughs> and so Um, it's not like I'm going to say, oh, my mom did this. It's, it's not about finding blame of who caused it or why it's there. It's just realizing that it's there. And then now what do you do with it? Right. But I did a Bible study actually. Um, and I remember there was this one lesson about generational sin. And it was like, I realized that what had been passed down was negativity. And there was this thread and this theme of never enough and never good enough. So like never enough money, never a good enough job. Yada, yada, yada. So that was kind of a theme that was passed down. And I feel like it was more generational. And it could have also been not only generational, but the area of the where I grew up, because it was kind of a theme for a lot of people of not having enough.
0: Oh, that makes sense. That makes sense. Very much sense. You're also a spiritual life coach, which I think people really need to tap into. I think it's very important that we as individuals, no matter where we are in, in a personal life or professional, to have that spiritual side. Because I think I think if we don't have that, that we go nowhere. We're lost. We're empty. Even if you're making a million dollars a year, you're still empty without that guidance. And so the spiritual uh, development and self-discovery session, you offer that. And you offer that also on com. And I invite anybody, if there's you're sort of at the turning point in your life, that fork in the road, and you want a little bit more self-discovery so that you can go on, as I like to say, personal development, because no matter how old you are, you're always learning and you're always developing in that. So give me a little hint about the spiritual development and self-discovery session. What, what exactly, what are the three key things that you hone in on? Well,
1: so whenever basically, whenever somebody comes to me, especially for a session like that, um, it's because they're looking for, okay, what's the next step? What's going on in my life? (laughs) What do I need? So the reason that I say it's a spiritual life coach is because you can go to any life coach. But I agree with you that if you don't have spirituality, you're missing a piece of it. So within that, I usually figure out and help the person. What is their spirituality? How does that show up? What does that look like for them? Help them learn to dive a little bit deeper into that um so that they can have kind of that base foundation because that's where everything builds from right when you have that base base foundation and you you have that spiritual backing um where you know that there is purpose to everything then it gives you a little bit of in my mind comfort um and it helps you kind of ground into uh approaching life in a different way and then the life coaching aspect would be you know what is it that you want in your life and then let's look at why you're not creating it
0: very good and when people come and consult with you as a spiritual life coach and you go through these steps do people walk away feeling really renewed or, or how are they or does it take a long time to kind of get it so when people go through your classes, do they walk away like immediate renewed or does it take a couple of months to kind of really make it click? Because, you know, sometimes it takes a while for that personal discovery and that type of section to uh, really click in. No, on,
1: honestly, I feel like um, I feel like one session at least gives you something to work with. Um, I do have a longer program where you can work with me in more of an extended time. But I used to love to do like one day seminars. And people always were like, oh, my gosh, this was amazing. So you really can have results as quickly as you want um, based on how willing you are to to be completely vulnerable and honest about what's going on and what's showing up and then knowing um, and getting clear on some action that you can take. So um, so
0: both. Well, very good. Very good. And so how does your husband feel? Um... I guess you've been married for a while, but how does he feel with all these gifts that you have? Does he think it's nothing, thinks of it as, you know, just the normal everyday Jennifer, his wife? Yeah, pretty much. We met when we were like 14. So we've known each other for so long.
1: Like, I don't think he thinks any different (laughs) about it. Whenever, whenever I changed from just health coaching and life coaching and said, you know, I really have to address this psychic piece, um, I, I asked my husband and he's like, yeah, why wouldn't you like, (laughs) like you've always been that way. Why wouldn't you go ahead and incorporate that into who you're speaking to? So, um, yeah, it was no big deal, honestly.
0: Very good. Yeah. I understand that. But I do know I'm excited that you have, uh, created some contents of daily motivational, spiritual related types of tips for our aerial positive living Alexa scale. And that should be just about ready to launch too. So anybody out there that wants to, uh, hear, um, Jennifer Longberg's uh, spiritual tips you can just ask Alexa open positive living and then hear uh, Jennifer's daily tips of course it's a mixed group so you may not hear hers right off the bat but listen to it frequently and then you'll get some of her tips as well as uh, her answering a couple questions I had on that um, about her gifts and so on and so forth so it's exciting um, also, anybody that wants to learn more about Jennifer Longberg, have a consultation, uh, maybe a hire her as a speaker and so on. Just go to Ariel dot com. You'll find her profile on the front page and then also go to her website. It's JenniferLongberg.com, dot com, correct? Yes, that's correct. All right. Well, I appreciate your time. It's exciting. And I look forward to talking with you again in the future. Yeah, thanks so much. It was awesome. I hope you enjoyed our show today. Jennifer Longberg, Christian Psychic and Spiritual Life Coach. Check her out on ariel.com and also her own website, Jennifer Longberg. It's always interesting to learn a little bit about the backstory about how someone with psychic abilities first realizes that they're a little bit different than everybody else. The one common thread that I've noticed is that most people with psychic ability, including myself, usually are aware of it at a very young age by a profound experience, mostly Consulting with an intuitive consultant, a psychic, Christian psychic, spiritual life coach, is really someone who is gifted with extrasensory perception, primarily their intuitive side, and they can offer some very valuable insight. Check out Jennifer Lomberg on ariel.com and JenniferLomberg.com. Now, on to something really exciting like the future, and the future is here, and it's all about voice. Are you ready to raise your visibility? expand your brand, gain recognition on a voice platform like Amazon Alexa. Millions and millions of people tune in to their Amazon Echo devices, the Alexa app, and on their Alexa devices in their car, always searching for information to be informed, to be entertained, to be educated about. So kind of look at it this way, that people aren't gonna be tethered to the computers in the future. They're going to be looking at their smartphones, their Alexa apps, their Amazon Echo devices on their desktops and their kitchen hubs, et cetera, et cetera. So this is an excellent time to be featured on Amazon Alexa. Check out our work on StudioCarlton.com. Thanks for tuning in. The Intuitive Edge is produced by Weston Media Group, LLC.